Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Daniel. The Old Testament book of Daniel and Daniel in chapter number 12. The book of Daniel in chapter number 12. We are continuing to march through the last stages of this series of the Millennial Kingdom, the thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're starting to hit some of the nuts and bolts, starting to have an understanding of how this world will be completely different than the world we are currently at. And it has been interesting as we've been going through this study of the uh, Millennial Kingdom, how many different books of the Bible is referenced. You know, sometimes people, when I'll talk about that we're going through the millennial kingdom, they're like, oh, you're going through Revelation. Well, <laughs> it's a lot more than that. Going through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, now Daniel, the 12 minor prophets, looking at Matthew, Luke, John, looking at the book of Revelation, looking and seeing that this is referenced so many times throughout the word of God. And now we come to the book of Daniel in chapter number 12. Daniel is the last book or the last chapter of the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 12. There's been a lot of things that have been revealed and, and brought to the people at, through Daniel. And, and now we come to Daniel chapter 12. Notice with me as we look, Daniel chapter 12 and verse number one. Daniel chapter 12 and verse number one, the word of God says this. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, as, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, and every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever." And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark a phrase that we find in the book of Daniel in chapter number 12. The book of Daniel chapter number 12, and notice with me in verse number three, where it says, the wise shall shine. They that be wise shall shine. What a powerful phrase and imagery in the book of Daniel chapter 12 and verse three, they that be wise shall shine. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. And then we'll tackle this subject that they that be wise shall shine. Let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, we're just asking that you would give us grace, that you would give us mercy, that you would give us understanding. Help us now as we open up the Bible and see this wonderful teaching 
of them that shall be wise shall shine and understand what does that mean. And Lord, I'm just asking that you would put it together and that we would go, wow, what a God because of this. Lord, I'm now very conscious that I need you now to put this together the way that you see fit. Lord, thank you again for the day that you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Daniel, chapter number 12, we have just finished observing <laughs> in uh, the previous chapter this context wrapping up a prophecy dealing with the tribulation. Notice again in verse number 1. And at that time, so it's speaking about the tribulation and now it's bringing in the archangel Michael. And at this time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble. Remember this time of trouble is often called Jacob's trouble. We often call it the tribulation, but it's referring to this time where God is going to be bringing the events of the world to bring the Hebrew people back to himself. And it goes on, and at that time shall Michael stand up, and the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in that book. Notice as it goes on to verse 2. And many of them that sleep, remember when you see that word sleep, oftentimes in the Bible it is a kind Bible way of saying those that have passed on, those who are dead. So many of them that were dead, that sleep in the dust of the earth, shall awake. Meaning that they're going to wake up, they're going to be able to have eternal, <laughs> live eternally. Remember, we're all made an eternal soul. You will live somewhere forever. Notice as it makes this distinction in verse 2, many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. So anyone who has trusted the promises of God, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament saints, they both come to the Lord the same way by trusting God's promises by faith. So those who have trusted God's promises by faith, if they die, they will wake up again. They will have a brand new body. They will live in everlasting life. And I'm so thankful for those promises, the promises that you are able to trust, like John 3:16, for God's so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm glad that everlasting life isn't just a New Testament concept but it is something that's referred to in the entire Bible that God has promised those who have accepted Christ they're going to rise into everlasting life. But notice those who did not accept Christ as their Savior, those who had never trusted the promise of God, they're also going to arise. Notice in verse 2 again. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, of course, this event is going to be covered in the book of Revelation chapter 20, where it is referred to the white throne judgment. That those who did not accept Jesus as their Savior, those who had never trusted the promises of God, they are going to be risen again as well. Now, they are going to have eternal bodies 
but not redeemed bodies. And they're going to stand before God at the white throne judgment and they are going to be sentenced for their sins and they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And in the lake of fire they'll be burning forever but never be consumed. They'll be tortured. They'll be going through horrible torments but they'll never get rest. They'll never die. They'll never pass out. They'll never pass away. They will be risen again, but to them, they will go to shame and everlasting contempt. What a horrible thing, especially since no one has to die and go to that awful place called hell, that Jesus Christ died for all people to get saved. And his blood was enough. And then we come to three. And as we come to verse three, we hit the context. Let's ask a question. Who are the wise? Who are the wise? Notice with me in verse 3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. So it says that these, there's going to be a group of people that are going to be considered wise. And they are going to shine as the brightness of the firmament. And so who are the wise? Is there a definition? Is there something that we find? In verse 3 it defines itself. Who are the wise? It says, They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Who are the wise? Those that turn many to righteousness. They turn many to righteousness. This refers to soul winning. Those that are involved in the Great Commission, which involves reaching and teaching, bringing someone to follow after Christ. In fact, notice the ter terminology here, they that turn many. We have a New Testament word that is called repentance. That's the same idea as turn. The word repentance carries with it the idea that a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. What is repentance? Repentance is I'm going the wrong way. I'm going the wrong way. I'm going the wrong way. Wait, I now accept the truth. I now turn and I'm going the right way now. I have turned. I have repented. I have a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. And now I have been turned to righteousness. Now remember, soul winning doesn't just involve telling people about Christ, though that's number one. It also involves discipleship. You know, you could tell someone about Christ and they can turn their idea and accept Christ as their savior. But it is through discipleship that not only do they accept Christ as their savior, but they turn their entire behavior to follow after Christ. So here when it said, the who are the wise, according to this context, it's those who are involved in soul winning and discipleship. Well, let's see if the Bible matches this. We don't want to just depend on one place. Well, turn with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 11. Let's see if this stands up other places in scripture. Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. And notice with me in verse number 30. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 30. The Bible continues with the same definition that those that be wise are those that turn others into righteousness. The book of Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30 says this, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that winneth souls is wise. Who is the wise? 
those that winneth souls. That those that go out and turn those to righteousness. Those that go out and turn people to repentance. To turn from their sins to accept Christ. And then those that are turned even further to continue to follow after Christ with their life. Those, according to the Bible, are wise. So who is the wise? Those that are involved in telling others about Christ and discipleship. So that's a good definition. So those are the wise. Well, turn back to me to the book of Daniel chapter 12. And let's ask another question. So we start off, who is the wise? Who is the wise? Those that turn others to righteousness. So the next question we want to ask is, what is the reward? What is the reward God gives to those in the millennial kingdom because of them being wise? Because of them giving their lives, turning others to righteousness. What is their reward? Well, let's see what the Bible has to say. Notice with me again in verse number three. Daniel chapter 12 and verse three. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. Now, we go here and we understand that there are many rewards in the millennial kingdom for soul winning and for their faithfulness in obeying the great commission found in the Bible. One of these rewards is mentioned here that they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. Now, some people might say, well, you know what's going to happen is that in heaven, in you're going to have superstars and you're going to have the great people and they're going to be lifted up and woo, we're going to applaud. Yay, they were great. <laughs> but what if, just what if we didn't take this figuratively, we took this literally. Notice again, verse number three, and they that be, be wise shall shine. As the brightness of the firmament. What if this was not figurative? What if it was literal? That in our brand new redeemed bodies. That as we're risen up. It's clearly talking about this redeemed bodies. Verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth. Shall awake some to everlasting life. So it's talking about these people who were dead. Who are now risen again. Now have a brand new life. And these people with a brand new everlasting life. That because they were wise. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. Think about this. That in our brand new redeemed bodies, they're going to work a little bit differently. And part of them working differently would even be that our bodies might literally glow, shine, be bright. In fact, notice the end of this uh, verse and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now think about this. That people might, in the millennial kingdom, or when their brand new redeemed bodies, part of the rewards for them turning others to righteousness and so winning a discipleship, bringing them to follow after Christ, part of their reward is that their bodies will literally shine in different magnitudes. Well, that sounds great. Someone may say, all right, fine, fine. But is there any other passage that might talk about this? Well, in fact, there is. Turn with me to the New Testament passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
Now in 1 Corinthians 15, this is dealing with the resurrection all the way from the beginning of verse 1. It talks about that Jesus Christ be risen. And then the apostle Paul goes through the greatest if. That if Christ be not risen, then we're without hope. And he goes through a logical statement that talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now with this resurrection, he then begins to describe what our redeemed bodies will look like. Now let's pause for a second. The Apostle Paul is tasked to describe something that is undescribable. He is tasked to describe something to you and to I in about something in a way that our bodies do not currently work. Can you imagine how hard this task would be for the Apostle Paul? Imagine that you were given the task to describe to a man who was never seen before, someone who's been blind their entire life, and you've been tasked to describe to them what a sunset looks like. What kind of words could you use to describe to someone who's never seen what a sunset looks like? I mean, you could describe the warmth, and you could describe maybe the sounds, and maybe the wind, but how can you describe the colors? How can you describe what it looks like as it goes down the horizon? How can you describe that to someone who's never been able to see? How could you describe to a deaf man who has never heard a sound in his life what a symphony would be like? Now, of course, you could let him feel the vibrations of the instruments and you could do different things to allow him to hear the, or feel the vibrations but how can you describe sound to someone who's never heard? Now the Apostle Paul has a task similar to that. He has to describe to us about a redeemed body that we currently don't have and try to use the words that he has available to describe it to us. And so it is no wonder that this passage is a little bit wordy because he's trying to get across an idea and a concept that we don't currently have. And trying to describe it the best he can to get across a concept that we're not familiar with. Let's pick it up in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and see as the Apostle Paul attempts to describe to us what our redeemed bodies will be like. Notice with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 34 to get a running start. Notice this, awake to righteousness and sin not for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Now, isn't it interesting that once again we start with a soul winning passage. That awake to righteousness and sin not. So did you know that we could sin? How can we sin? For some have not the knowledge of God. They don't know who God is. They don't know who Jesus is. And Paul says, I speak this to your shame. That there are people around us who do not, do not know what, who Jesus is. And that's our fault. We should be telling everyone. So isn't it interesting as he begins this passage to describe what our redeemed bodies are look like that once again a soul winning passage is being referred to? Interesting, isn't it? It's almost like God is really trying to put across that our brand new redeemed bodies are going to be directly proportional to our labor for souls. Notice as it goes on verse 35. But some man will say, how are the dead rised up? And with what body do they come? So here's the question. 
All right, so if the dead rise, now let's imagine that you buried great grandma somewhere. And after about 30 years, you decide, you know, I miss great grandma. In fact, did you know that there's actual tribe somewhere? I forgot where it was at. But every three years, they dig up their dead relatives and then have like a tea party with them, have dinner with them, and then they bury them again. And the next three years, they dig them back up. So can you imagine that you were part of that? And that, you know, it's now year 30. This is the 10th time that you dug up grandma. Do you think grandma would look a little bit different now than what she was when you first put her in the ground, you know, 30 years ago? Maybe just a little bit different, right? And so someone could say, well, wait, wait, wait a second, Paul. Uh, I'm not quite comprehending this. If we come with our brand new redeemed bodies, I meant, do we walk up like zombies? Do we come like rotten flesh? Do we spend the next thousand years kind of just, I meant, how does this work? In fact, the follow-up question is, is, what body do they come? Obviously, we're not going to come in the broken down, rotten flesh. So what is this brand new body going to be like? I mean, that is a valid question. It may be a question that you have. What was our body going to be like? It's not going to be like this old sinful thing. It's not going to be rotten and to the core. And that's even before I'm dead. What is this body going to be like? Well, notice again, the Apostle Paul is going to try to explain the best he can with the words that he has to a concept that is unfamiliar with us. Verse number 36, thou fool, thou which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. Meaning that, listen, you have to die before you get your brand new body. You're, you're not carrying this old rotten thing with you. By the way, Amen. I'm tired of this old rotten flesh. I want a new vessel. I want a new body that's not broken, has low mileage. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Verse 37. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be, but bear grain. It may chance wheat or some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it pleaseth him. And to every seed his own body. Now, I'm glad that we're going to get our own brand new body, and God is going to fashion our bodies unique to us. Now, we know that in our present state, we are all unique. Not every one of you can look as great as I am. You all have different vessels. You have different shapes, different sizes. We're different. Well, in the millennial kingdom, guess what? Our bodies are also going to be unique and different. No cookie cutters. Aren't you glad for that? That we are not going to look like the same clone over and over and over. We are still going to look unique and individual in the millennial kingdom. Now, again, he's trying to describe it and he's trying to work it way up, trying to bring us from the known to the unknown. Notice as it goes on. <laughs> Verse number 20, uh, 39. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there's the one kind of flesh of men and another flesh of beast and another of fishes and another of birds. So here again, he's trying to get a running start. He's trying to go that even right now in our world that we're in, there are different types of flesh. For example, the flesh of a fish feel a lot different than a flesh, a flesh of a cat. They don't feel the same. You try to pet a fish, it does not give the same effect as petting a cat. All right? They're a different type of flesh, a different type of covering, a different type of feel. We understand that. 
So he, he's trying to say that we have a different type of flesh. Notice it goes on. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of celestial is one and the glory of terrestrial is another. Now he says, all right, in order to describe this, there's different types of flesh. We could get that cat flesh, um, fish flesh, human flesh. We have different flesh that we have. He says, in addition, you have celestial bodies. That carries the idea of heavenly bodies. And you have terrestrial bodies. So the ones of celestial are different than what we have on the world. For example, you have the sun. That is a celestial body. Doesn't that feel different and look different than what we find here on earth? All right. So there's a difference. Celestial body, terrestrial bodies. Notice again, he's building up verse number 41. There is one glory of the sun and one glory of the moon. Let's pause here. The word glory is a very interesting word here. The word glory carries with the idea of shining. That's the same word, this idea of shining. Now, glory is the correct word for this uh, meaning and passage, but in our idea here, we can understand that it means shine for what we're speaking about. Notice that. For there's one glory or shine of the sun, and another glory or shine of the moon, and another glory shine of the stars, for one star different from another star in glory. So now he starts to carry the heavenly bodies. Is the sun shine different than the moon shine, right? I mean, you put them next to each other and you could definitely tell that the moon is brighter, correct? No, there's a different shine. The sun definitely outshines the moon, correct? Then it talks about stars. Do you know that stars are different? They're different sizes, they're different colors. For example, there are red stars and orange stars. There's yellow stars and green stars. There are uh, white stars and there are blue stars. They come in different colors. And so all of <laughs> the stars are not the same. They shine differently. So again, the Apostle Paul is starting to work her way into it. He says there's different types of flesh. And even the celestial, there's different types of shining here. He's starting to bring it back to our bodies to try to explain that our bodies are going to work differently. Notice if you don't mind. (laughs) He says, verse 42, this is important. If you haven't highlighted these two words in 42, do this. So also. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption and raised in incorruption. So also. So Also, he says, this resurrected body is going to so also shine differently and it's going to be at different things in the resurrection of the dead, in our brand new bodies. Now, what this is putting together is that based off of our soul winning, they that be wise shall shine. And in fact, in chapter, uh, Daniel chapter 12, it specifically said, shine like the stars, did it not? So what's going to happen in our brand new redeemed bodies when we get our brand new redeemed bodies? Part of the rewards that we earn is that our bodies are going to shine at different magnitudes, at different brightnesses. Our bodies will shine. Now, in our current state, that we may we have different shades of color, But 
pretty much our bodies shine the same. We, we all shine the same. I mean, a very dull. We don't radiate a lot of light from our bodies, correct? I mean, unless you're in Mississippi, in Mississippi, you don't sweat, you just glisten. I mean, that's a different shine that they have there. But you know, for the most part, we, we all have different shades, but we shine the same, meaning not at all. However, in our brand new redeemed bodies, we will actually shine differently in magnitude and brightness and color. All based off of our faithfulness to God in soul winning and discipleship. Now, why? Why is this a reward? Is it so we could peacock around and look how bright I am? No, not at all. You understand that this is a very practical way. Now, inside of the millennial kingdom, we know that there are going to be Hebrew people that survive the tribulation. And in the tribulation, those Hebrew people will be able to have children. And those children are going to multiply. Now, those children (laughs) who grow up are going to have natural bodies. And they're going to be able to sin. And those people are going to have issues that they're going to need to be taken care of. Disputes, fights. Uh, You know, we have... Those of you who grew up with brothers and sisters, wasn't there always disputes and fights? Absolutely. For those of you who are parents of multiple children, aren't there always disputes and fights? Absolutely. And so you need someone to help settle it when they can't settle it themselves, right? So let's imagine that I'm a Jewish person, Hebrew person, that was born in the millennial. I don't know anything else. And I know that I've got a problem that needs to be solved correctly. So I need to find someone to help judge this dispute, settle my dispute. I am going to go find the one that shines the brightest because of those are the wise people who followed after God. I won't go to someone who has a brand new redeemed body that doesn't glow at all because I know that they were not trustworthy and they were not wise. Does that make sense? That turns to a very practical idea. Remember that those of us who go and those, when we go to the millennial kingdom, our purpose is to help Jesus rule and reign and administrate the kingdom. For those of us who have shown wise, we are going to get brand new redeemed bodies that will shine. And this will help us to administrate the in the millennial kingdom. Now imagine today, let's say that you had a dispute and you had to go to someone. How can you find out whether this person's trustworthy or not? I mean, you could try to do a background check and try to go, but when it's all said and done, you don't know who this judge is that's judging your case. In the millennial kingdom, you just look for the one that's shining bright. Can you help me out? Can you judge this correctly? Now, isn't that a practical way of running a government that you can trust? I could find the person I trust. Now, at the same time, remember what we said this morning, that those that were not faithful to God, they are going to be cast out into darkness, outer darkness. Now, with the idea that they're not going to shine at all, you go over there to the people that don't shine. You're set aside over there And there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They're going to be miserable because they're not going to be able to be used as much as they could have been because they weren't faithful to God. See how this is all tying together a little bit now? That God was very practical. And again, he's trying to explain to us that part of our reward 
is that we are going to shine bright for our faithfulness in serving God in soul winning and discipleship. And because of that, it's going to be practical with the idea that God can watch over, can use us to be clearly identified we are someone that can be trusted or someone that can't be trusted in being wise with our decisions and administrating and dealing with issues in the millennial kingdom. Does that make sense? That's part of our reward, that they that be wise shall shine. We're going to be able to glow at different things. This is what the passage says, Old Testament and New Testament. Interesting, isn't it? Our bodies will work differently. There'll be a reflection of our faithfulness to the obedience to the Great Commission in our time now. You see, what you do in this life does matter for eternity. So now it brings us to the question. In fact, let's just read the rest of this passage So uh, to verse number 44. We're in verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption and it is raised in incorruption. Meaning that we live our life in this corruptible failed body and we're going to be raised in a brand new body that cannot sin against God. Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. This brand new redeemed body is going to work differently. We have a body that's falling apart, that's sinful, that's selfish, and yet we're going to get a brand new body that's going to work differently. Verse 44, it is sown in a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body And there is a spiritual body. This spiritual body is a redeemed body. A body that works differently. Our brand new redeemed bodies that cannot sin against God and that we're going to be set in the millennial kingdom to be serving and worshiping God and using him to help administrate inside of his kingdom. Remember Jesus was saying in those parables that you are faithful and little, you'll be ruler of much. God's going to be able to trust us. We're in our sinful, wretched bodies and we still manage to serve God. God says, I'm going to reward you greatly because that's a big obstacle to try to serve me in a body that hates me and a body that doesn't want to serve and a body that wants its own selfish thing. (laughs) A part of our reward is he's going to give us a body that's not going to fail him and we'll be visibly able for others to identify that we were trusted and that we were wise. Which now brings us to a third question. We start off by, who is the wise? Then said, (laughs) what is the reward? The third question, what to do now? What is it that we're supposed to do now? Well, we're supposed to be about our Father's business. God is not willing that any shall perish, but all should come to repentance. Those that shall be... Uh, Wise shall shine. And remember the definition there was to turn others to righteousness. Proverbs 11.30, it says, they that be wise. (coughs) Sorry, excuse me. (coughs) Are going to deal with the idea of those who win souls. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. What are we put on this earth to do? We're put on this earth to be a witness. 
that we're supposed to tell others about Jesus' ability to take a nobody. That, that he, that somebody came and took a nobody and changed him to tell about someone who could save anybody. What a wonderful God. We're just supposed to be a witness of what God did in us in a miracle working. That I'm a low down sinful wretch. There is nothing good about me except for Jesus Christ. And I get to tell others that what Jesus did in me to make a difference. That is my purpose. That is my goal. That is what God has put me here to do. We understand that there are some people think that their goal is to grow beautiful flowers. Praise the Lord for everyone who can grow beautiful flowers. But that's not your purpose. That's a hobby. Your purpose is to tell people about Christ. There are others that say, it is my goal to read every book in the library. Praise the good. That, that do you well being a reader. But that's a hobby. Your goal, your purpose should be telling others about Christ. That should be our goal. What are we supposed to be busy about now? Getting people to know who Jesus is. You say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, you could start off by passing out a track. You say, I don't speak well. That's fine. You don't have to say anything. Give them a track. You can mumble something like sign language. I mean, do something. Start off. You could join us as we go out. We'd be glad to train you and to work with you and to ease you into it. But start from where you are. Everyone has something to do. There are millions of people who are dying and going to hell. And God has put us here for one purpose. And that's to tell others. Why did God save you? He saved you and left you on this earth. He didn't just take you up once you get saved. Wouldn't it be nice just to get saved and then just blast off and get out of this old sinful world? But he left us here. Why? So we could go tell more people about him. That is our purpose. That is what he's given us to do. And when we give our life to that purpose, that God also gives us a reward. That they that be wise shall shine. And in the millennial kingdom, because of that faithfulness to God, God is going to make us to be ruler over much. And part of it is that people will be able just to look at us and trust us. Not because of how handsome we are, but because of the shine that we have that tells others that we were wise here on this earth. Amazing, isn't it? The thing about that our bodies will look differently. They will shine differently. You said, well, I've wasted lots of time. I can't do anything about yesterday, but what you could do is start from where you are and move forward. Watch God use you in your life. I'm going to give my life to be used. I want to shine the best that I can. I want to be used of God here on this earth now and in the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. I want him to know that he can trust me. Doing the one thing that he's given me to do. Telling people about Christ. You said, I don't know how to do that. I'm not good. Well, can you invite him to church? Can you say, hey, I've got a preacher who would love to tell you. Can he at least do that? You know, we could do so much trying to reach out to people. We could try to be an encouragement. There are so many different methods with our technology today of trying to give people the gospel. I mean, even something like this. I mean, forgive if I sound like a stupid YouTuber now, but you can like and subscribe. Share messages. Tell people about it. Hey, you know what? Pastor had this crazy message. Could you watch this? This may be good for you. We live in a technology thing. Share it on a phone. 
you know, I don't preach to be repeat, uh, to just be heard. I preach to be repeated. These things need to be heard. People need to hear these things. They need to hear that Jesus saves. There are many different things that we could do. You could buy them a book about salvation. Here, can you read this? Can you listen to this? Can you do this? Can you come to church? I'll give you a bologna sandwich if you come with me to church. I mean, do something. Everyone can do something. And isn't it worth it if they get saved? Even if we didn't have a reward, wouldn't it still be worth it for them to go to heaven? And wouldn't it be worth it to honor our Father who died for us and loved us so much? They that be wise shall shine. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.